Hi, everyone. I'm Matt Laughlin, along with Chris Westcott, as we welcome you to the official Devils podcast. Amanda Stein, a little underneath the weather, but... Love having Wesky with us. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, no problem, Matt. We have a really good podcast coming up. I'm excited about it. Yeah, and a little bit of a connection that you have with our guest because he's from the Midwest. You spent some time in that big windy yeah, I city. Sp- I spent a year in Chicago. He's full-blown Chicago. He's from Orland Park. I actually bought my vehicle just outside Orland Park, so I know where that is. Um, and yeah, I got a lot of uh, you know food connection, coffee. Is it another big connection? I'm a huge coffee guy, and as you'll find out, I think we spent half the podcast talking coffee. I think we know who our guest is by identifying where he's from, so let's get to it. And so without further ado, we welcome to our official Devils podcast, Connor Carrick, defenseman from Orland Park, Illinois. Where is Orland Park, and what was it like growing up there? Oh, it was good. That's where I you know, got my... Hockey start. There's a rank about two minutes away from where I live. We're probably, I don't know, 45 minutes southwest of uh, the United Center. Um, played all my youth hockey there right up until 16, and then moved away to the national team development program with uh, Team USA in, in Ann Arbor. Played a year in the OHL and then went pro. Typical suburban neighborhood and certainly typical suburban raising in terms of what you did besides hockey yeah played uh hockey baseball golf a little bit of football uh just the one year helped me learn how to hit and that was a good time but you know kind of conflicted with hockey but yeah typical suburban so we were the only house with a rink in front with a with a net in front but besides that you know most of the houses uh you know look similar and and yeah typical I gotta get the next one, man. Yeah, absolutely. Italian beef or Italian hot dog or Chicago style hot dog? Uh beef for sure. Beef dipped. for sure yeah. dipped yeah. with with the with the spicy uh, hot pepper and yeah. and I'll throw an Italian sausage in there too. Oh yeah, yeah, get combo. The combo. Yeah, combo. you know you can do that at Cubby's games. Can you? You can get the combo. You get the Italian beef with the giant Italian sausage. A little jardiner maybe. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Nice. When I was covering baseball, I loved going to Wrigley Field. The first time I went there though was early in the season, and I was like. Where the heck's the ivy? And they said, all that brown stuff will turn green in the summer, right? Because it was too early <laughs> yeah, for it to really have, have flowered, so to speak. But uh, yeah, no, Chicago, one of my, my favorite towns. I have a feeling over the next 20 minutes or so, we're going to we have a lot of Chicago talk homers, here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I've only, I only lived there one year, so I can't say, can't claim it as homeless. Doesn't take can. long to fall in love there. No, no, it's a Good great time. town. Great town. Um, I, I have a question for you. Coffee. Yeah, it's a big part of your life. Yep. Anyone that follows you on social media sees you're always brewing it and kind of cool styles too. When did that kind of obsession with coffee start for you? Um, when I was in Toronto, the uh, the trainers there, uh, Paul Ayotte and John Jeller, were were two aficionados. They had their own espresso machine. They were doing the pour over that I do the Chemex. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were doing that at the rink, and they had they had a full setup. So I I thought I was into it, and then I met a couple pros. And they revealed my amateurism, and I had to, you know, check the ego and learn a bit from those guys. You were a curate guy, and now you're a poro. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah we don't talk about. It. We don't say the k word. <laughs> don't say know? the k word. No, no, no. Um, but for you, like, what's the best coffee in the area? I mean, we're right next door to New York City. Jersey's known for their diners, and I know there's a, some good espresso places nearby. What's What's your favorite? Coffee? I, you know, usually my like Rolodex of of places is is poorest wherever i play like in home like i actually struggle to find a place in chicago because i make it at home yeah uh, i can tell you multiple spots in nashville because i don't travel with my gear and and i go out i'll go to uh in hoboken city of saints is pretty good i like it there 
um, downtown. I think it's in Flatiron. I've been to that Devotion a couple times, which is really top tier. I mean, New York City is tough to compete. It's pretty saturated. Uh, and Boston, George Hall is one of my favorite. Um, I, w- I would say that kind of rounds out the ones that come to mind right away. So what do I need to know? I love coffee. Yep. But to me, there's very little coffee I won't drink. It's coffee. So what am I missing? Why do I need to elevate my experience and be able to distinguish good coffee from rotgut? Now, I want to clarify. I'm not a snob. I'll, I'll drink most anything, <laughs> too. Um, I just have an appreciation uh, for the finer stuff now. What do you like? Uh, like uh, I like... <laughs> Regular coffee, so like, you, like your whole body, you know, kind of your chocolatey, your clot. Yeah, a I'll lot go of times that'll be roast. like your Colombian. Um, you know, we'll kind of get like those chocolatey notes, toffee things yep, like that. Yep. Uh, and then you kind of blonde roast guy. You know what I mean? Okay, like, yeah, you like darker. you like the strong stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I personally, first time I ever, I think uh, I was in Ann Arbor, and I think it was called Comet Coffee, and I it was the first place I ever had uh, a menu. And it said like coffee, tasting notes, blackberry, brown sugar, pancakes, snickerdoodle, whatever. It's like there's no way. Like what? what? <laughs> Coffee's caught. And then uh, I don't know. Had a sip. Kind of had the palate for it. Smacked my lips a couple times. And and maybe it was the placebo effect. Maybe they got in my head. But I thought there was more to it. Um, and a lot of it just has to do with like how fresh the bean is. Uh, you know how it's roasted and things like that. So a lot of those boutique shops will serve fresher beans versus. Not to knock on them, but a, a Dunkin' or a Starbucks mm-hmm. just does so much volume that they need such a consistency to their, their bean that a lot of times it's it's older. Um, there's kind of more discrepancy uh, in terms of like what they'll allow into the batch, so to speak. I hope, you know. Well, that, hel- that helps. And I, I will also make it clear. It's not like I'll just take any garbage that comes yep. my <laughs> way. But like in Pittsburgh, there's the Nicholas Coffee Shop, which is near the hotel. It's, okay. in, it's in the square there, and they've been there for 100 20 years maybe mm-hmm. something like that maybe this is just their hundredth at any rate and great variety of beans that they they offer and i'll always buy a, a pound or two and there's one in my hometown westfield ours it's called uh spelled a h r r e i believe but at any rate so i do try to vary it but you make it with a pot like a normal coffee maker i do i do so my that, wife that's... has gotten into the french yeah french press, press is great yeah french press is great like you're just trying to flirt with the the way the water interacts with the beans, there's not a whole lot of extra going on. But like when I do the Chemex at home, you know, I'll heat the water. I won't be too hot uh, versus a machine that'll kind of just spit the water at the bean and, and hope what comes out is good. You know, I'll carefully kind of pour to try and get an even extraction. I'll, I'll weigh the beans and I know how much uh, water, like that ratio is mm-hmm. consistent. Um, and yeah, I just, I find it has a more even, you know, sort of delicate, you, it's more nuance. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm recently started ordering my beans off like Amazon. I, I've got like a pinon is like the play, the okay. thing I like. Same way you were saying. I didn't know Colombian bean is more chocolatey. Like that's what you get a lot. That. A lot of times, yeah. And then you'll get like some I don't know Ethiopian, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the more tea like qualities, more floral, uh, fruitier. Uh, there was one I think uh, Pilot Coffee is one of my favorites in in Toronto, for example. It had it was called uh, Anasora, and and it would come out a couple times a year, and it was like a strawberry bomb. Like it, it felt like, it, you know, it tasted like you just had strawberry jam, and then decided wow. to, it was fantastic. Um, I went from Huskins Coffee, actually out in uh, I think it's out in Anaheim. They sent me one. It was like a blueberry, 
I, I felt like uh, you know one of the Oompa Loompas and and really wanted the stuff was top top notch. Uh, you know, for we're gonna keep talking about. Co- I love coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the coffee that's made from like I don't know what we can use on the on this podcast, but from the like the lemur scat. What what is I, that? I'm not above it. I've tried. Is it really? I'm, I'm unfamiliar. Would? I haven't. Uh, You've I seen imagine, it, though, right? Like I've heard of it. I've never beans. seen it and and read more about it, but I, I am aware it's out there. I, you know what? I, I shouldn't say I wouldn't try it because I've tried other kinds of food that people go, really? What are yeah. you doing? So I'd give it a whirl. I, I can't say that I would necessarily raise my hand and line up <laughs> early in the morning to be the first well, it's, it's there, like a, I think it's like $150 a cup of coffee or something like that. It's it's crazy. I, <laughs> so I, I, I can't afford why. it. Yeah, I can't, yeah, yeah. But well, it looks good. That reminds me, and we're, we'll get to hockey and some other things, I'm sure, before too long, but we've kind of moved down this coffee trail. There's a book called The Monk of Mocha, which is out maybe a year and a half mm-hmm. ago, which I read. So it's about a Yemeni-American who goes back to Yemen just before the Civil War breaks out because it takes him a while to find what he wants to do. But he decides he wants to resurrect the Yemeni coffee industry because it's so ancient, but mm. it was so bad in so many ways. And it's it's an interesting tale. He gets caught in the Civil War, this, that, and the other thing. But at any rate, he, he's out, and he's based out of San Francisco now, or in that area, and the coffee's like 16 bucks a cup, mm-hmm. which when we go out there, I want to check out because this Yemeni I'll coffee. I'll go with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yemeni coffee. Podcast from the road. To, yeah, why not? Well, that, that's <laughs> what I think is so cool. Like, yes, the the taste and all that's great, but it's kind of the ceremony. It's it's the, yeah. the grinding the that that you know gives you that smell. It's the slowness of the of the drip that you don't get you know with a with a pot. Uh, I like reading a lot of times. I'll they they'll have like place cards when I order the coffee, like uh, information about the farmer about the bean how it's processed and that and that i don't know i i just kind of think it's like wine you can drink in the morning like mm-hmm. i yeah i get, I'm, I, I like a good story you know like you go out to a nice meal whatever the sommelier comes over and, and sells you on a wine well like as an athlete it's 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 hard to have a close relationship with red wine because it's anti uh it's not very professional mm-hmm. so coffee's like the wine you can drink every day and people are cool like with that. it and somebody told me lastly Try it without milk. I'm a milk guy. No sugar. I'm, I'm black all day. And somebody said, in fact, it was the devil's producer, mm-hmm. Roland Dratch, who mentioned it, that uh, maybe a year or so ago, his doctor said, they were just talking anyway, he said, try the coffee plain and you'll start to notice flavors yes. a lot more. But it'll take you, if you've had it with coffee for a long time, it'll take you several days to kind of overcome the difference because you're like oh it'll be terrible so i i may do that too to try to get i do that i do that with good cups of coffee if it's like you know something i'm just grabbing on my way to work Mm -hmm. like one of the like you said like a chain or something like that i'll just grab it i'll grab it with milk and sugar but i do like that like if i grind my own beans at home and i'm trying something different like uh i tried this like bullet bourbon flavored coffee roast like that kind of stuff i'll do that black and i I like to try and explore the flavors of that i I found it interesting you mentioned it's kind of like wine and you're right. Like a sommelier yeah. would come over. And he's like, "Hey, you're gonna get hints of chocolate or blueberry or strawberry." It's the same thing. It's kind of interesting. Nobody would think that. Yeah. I just think, hey, I'm gonna, like what you said. I'll like I'll run to a fast food place. I'll grab a cup of coffee on my way to work. You don't yeah. really think like it can actually yeah, be for sure an experience. Port of Mocha. Port of Mocha, by the way, Port is the coffee from Yemen, which we'll have to try when we're on the West Coast. So after ten minutes of <laughs> growing up in Good Illinois, warm-up. but yep. mostly spent about coffee, we'll uh, we'll change yeah. this, the well, topics. I think it all started with because you are so active on social media. You kind of give you're unique. Not a lot of players really do that. You give fans a look at the ritual of you making coffee in the morning and your life. And your wife's very active as well on social media. Where where does that come from? 
I think number number one, we both reflected upon everyone's on their phone all the time. So you might as well try to, um, instead of allow social media to be used on you, try and use it for what you want to get out of it. So we both try to, you know, kind of schedule our message. Uh, we reflect on how we want to present ourselves. And in doing so, uh, I get a lot of, you kind of attract your, your people, your crowd. I got a text yesterday uh, from Carl Alsner, who I played with in Washington. The Starbucks, the new reserve in Chicago is unbelievable. I get, you know, friends and family because they know I'm the coffee guy. I haven't bought it in a long time. They just It just shows up at my door. You know, so you kind of attract, uh, you know, like-minded people of what, of what you're putting out there. Um, and we find some of the relationships gained have been very rewarding. And, and uh, you know, and frankly, I think as an athlete, you, you're our leader in, in your community. No matter what level of player you are in the National Hockey League, a lot of, you know, people, friends and family look up to you. Um, and I, we, I try to do positive with, with that power, with that podium, so to speak. Is there a fear among athletes, celebrities sometime to put yourself out there like that? Tell your story. I mean, there's a lot of people, athletes, multiple sports, not just hockey, who are a little bit afraid to put themselves out there. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, you know, there's an imaginary line that you, you, I don't know, as an athlete, you're aware of that you don't, you don't want to cross. Um, you know, there's certain things that, are not to be discussed publicly, you know, whether, um, you, you want to be authentic and honest, but at the same time, you don't need to show your hand all the time, uh, for every up and down, you know, that your career has to offer. Um, I think Lexi and I try to do our, our best and we are very aware of that fear. That's always editing that that's kind of lens that we see it through. That's how, that's how we edit what we decide to put out is, does this put us in a positive light? Does this put the organization, uh, in a positive light for the most part? Um, you know, it's not all roses and rainbows, uh, so to speak, but, uh, I think as long as you're honest and, and, and trying to come across as yourself, um, you know, you got a good chance of getting it right 99% of the time. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that you guys don't act like influencers just snapping mm -hmm. like the beauty shots. You're actually letting people in. I think that that's really nice and I, it's really nice to see. But in this day and age of instant attachment right there there can be a lot of negative in mm -hmm. social media uh, as an athlete you kind of expose yourself to that from the time you were young playing young, for yeah. a team ah you made a bad play you stink <laughs> how do you how do you filter that out understanding there's going to be some negativity but you're you're going through all your responses and most of them um sure are positive and then there comes the negative one you just dismiss it is it hard to do that um, what I, what I find is the negative experiences are sort of one-offs versus the positives tend to be relationships that grow. So you get a person that throws a stone and kind of runs away. Um, you know, Hey, you suck or poor game last night or nice turnover or whatever. And then you post again on Wednesday and you post again on Friday and you don't hear from, them. um, but the people you can have a positive relationship with, you know, they, they tend to stick around. I think that that's a more, uh, powerful imprint that's, that's lasting. Lexi is your wife. Mm -hmm. You were married just a little under two years ago. Mm -hmm. It'll be, what, two years in July? Two years in July, yeah. Now, I'm reading some background, and you guys met in preschool? 
Yeah. Is, is this yeah. true? Yeah, we went to preschool. Was it love together. at first sight? <laughs> uh, not, you know, maybe. Um, we kind of we met again in high school, so we went to preschool together. You know, I had the bowl cut, and you know, the Gap Polo mom put me in, and uh, you were rocking it though. Oh, I was, I was cool. crushing it. No I was super cool. Starter um, jacket too, right? Yeah, Chicago sure. Bulls yep. starter jacket. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then you know, fast forward, we kind of meet again in high school. We almost neither here nor there. We almost you know date a couple times, and then. Uh, kind of reconnected after uh, my year with the Plymouth Whalers. I, that was my original plan. She was going to get a job in Chicago. She was uh, fresh out, fresh out of out of school. She was going to work. I was going to play in Plymouth, which was like four hours away. And then we've been dating like three months. I make the Capitals out of camp, sign like four or five days before the regular season. Uh, she decides to get a job out there, and we, you know, kind of did our best to grow our relationship. You know, uh, first we're we're together both in dc and then when i was in hershey it was about two hours away so it was decently convenient it wasn't wasn't too treacherous uh, for either of us to to make it work and um it, it our relationship i think's going very well we've 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 had no shortage of challenges but the the highs are there too and and we love each other very much is i don't want to dive too deep into your relationship but that can be difficult i moved around a lot for this job as well and i I know that that in the early stages can be really difficult did you find that that actually made you guys stronger there's just it it forces a conversation about you know commitment this is where i am where are you this is the the hand that our life has given us how are we going to play it um you know a really big step was a move to toronto you know and i get traded there that's another it's a foreign country uh, not to be overlooked um, you know, if Lexi wants to work there, we got to talk visas and, and totally uproot after a job she's had for, you know, three years, just about, which is a good chunk of time. Um, I think we both knew that this was where we were going very early in our relationship. Um, I'm a very committed person. I, I carry that into, you know, most of my friendships. Um, you know, uh, it was never really an issue for us. So some, we, I think both, yeah, I just think we knew, frankly, early on. And you have to work at it. There's no question. All marriages work have it. to be worked at, for sure. You mentioned some of the stops you've made in hockey. Um, you've been in a number of organizations. How how does that affect a player when he comes out? You, you know, you're drafted. You've been rising up the ranks wherever you've played. Now you're drafted. Now you make the caps out of camp. And you're on this one track, I'm sure, in your mind. And now it's kind of moved and meandered a little bit. But still, moving forward, you've stayed in the league. How did you handle that? You know, so so Washington was kind of neither here nor there. Got a chance early, played well, um, struggled. I was an offensive D-man, you know, uh, kind of a power play guy at the time. And we had Mike Green, who was, you know, one of my favorite players growing up. And then John Carlson, you know, who's become on pace for 100 points this year. Uh, so there was, you know, not a lot of offensive touches there to be to be had. And then everyone gets, you know, fired after that year. We missed the playoffs, go back to the minors. Um, really enjoyed my time with the Hershey Bears, was able to grow my game. Um, and then the move to Toronto was, was very exciting. I didn't know what to expect. Team was in last place that year. We made the playoffs the following you know, uh, played for a coach that I, I don't think, um, you know, valued what I did. It didn't, uh, you know, always work out. It was it was tough sledding there. A lot of looking over my shoulder earlier in my career. I was in the lineup a lot, but never uh, was never really a certainty. Um, then get moved to Dallas, which I was super excited about. 
good team. I, I was, you know, playing in the in the top four, ready to, you know, you got to. They, they, that's what they say, right? You get your opportunity, you got to run with it. Um, you know, break my ankle out. You know, whatever it was, I think it was eight to twelve weeks before I really, eventually, got moved to the Devils, um, and then was proud of the last little bit that I played there. Certainly, uh, believe that the best hockey of my NHL career is yet to be played. Um, definitely believe there's a lot of potential there yet to be uh, tapped into. But at the same time, you know, you got to be uh, you know kind of patient with with yourself. You've you've had a I I've had a interesting run with a coach and then some some serious injuries that can bring put a lot of guys out of the league so on one hand um you know definitely believe my career can be going better than it has on the other a lot of depth men, you know uh would be back in the american league given the bounces so somewhere in between there is, is where my headspace is well and another injury this year you yeah. know shortly after the season starts you almost lose your finger yeah blocking a shot and that that sets you back for 25 26 yeah. games yeah, that was tough. So, and and it's been no, we, we haven't had the the season in the first half that we, I think we wanted, um, you know. But you're competing every day in this league all the time. No, no one uh, I, I think takes their job for granted. We still have a competitive group, and I think we want to put together something that we can be proud of here. The last thirty, I think it's thirty four games. When did you first realize that you had that intestinal fortitude to compete on that daily basis? Because some people get weeded out early. You've you've managed to last and keep competing. I think it's a balance of you. I've just always had a fire. Like I, I've always burned inside knowing that I could be better. Um, so it's you're constantly trying to refine it between how can I stay positive enough that I, I stay encouraged every day and you don't you don't beat yourself into a powder. Um, but at the same time, you got to honor that competitiveness and that belief, that inner belief that I was strong today, but I know there's still more. Um, so for me, I just, I don't think I've ever gone away easily. I, I enjoy competing. Um, I enjoy the, the sharpness that this job demands. I mean, you have to be on every day. The gun is to your head every single day, uh, in the bottom half of NHL lineups. You talk to any guy like, they're not sitting too comfortably. Um, and I think that that can bring uh, the best out of people who, you know, prepare. And that's what I would say is the second half of that is I really try to that, – that coffee ritual, like there's a lot going on there every morning in terms of attitude, like what effort and attitude do I want to bring to the rink every day? Um, you know, I've been in different situations where it wasn't necessarily easy to uh, maintain that – competitive drive or that energy level um but you know practices and until 11 you can you can you can feel crappy all you want from you can throw a pity party do whatever you want from 7 a.m till 10 30 when you you know till you're putting the gear on and then 11 11 to 12 you got to bring it so that that's always been my mindset seems like you're compartmentalizing that in your life but it also seems like a little maybe a little visualization too do you practice that at all Some yeah athletes do. yeah I, you know, I'm I'm a little into the woo, whether it's the visualization or the breath work or um, whatever you whatever I have to do to maintain energy. I think that's such a commodity uh, in this league. It's it's a war of attrition out there. 82 games, a lot of hockey. Like you look around an NHL locker room after 10 games, and you swallow the pill. Like there's 70 to go. <laughs> it's it's incredible that guys do it. You know, year in year out, and and that's where. 
the respect for some of the veteran players that we have uh, really kicks in. But that's that's the test of the NHL. If, if you don't love the game and you don't love the grind, it, it'll show. I've not been privileged to see this in person, but I was asked by one of uh, the guys in our content division, can I mention his yes, name, Blaine yeah. Sayers, who <laughs> has seen it. Apparently your stretching ritual is pretty intense and interesting. So can you talk about it a little bit? Yeah, I've, I've uh, been a, around some really high-end uh, you know, body coaches, let's call them, whether it was treatment people or strength coach Ian Max, who I work with in, in the summer in Chicago. I'm kind of a nerd about it. Like uh, The way I describe it is in the Rocky films, everybody loves Rocky and cheers for Rocky. Well, like, I thought Ivan Drago was cool. Like, I, I just <laughs> love the idea of becoming this machine that was unbreakable. And um, Yeah, I, I try and stay as limber as possible. I've always found the strength element. I'm a, I'm a stockier guy uh, to come to me and, and my physical body um, a little bit more easily. On the conditioning side, I have to put more work in. Um, you know, the, the endurance gene, I think, isn't as, as <laughs> strong, as gifted. And then just, you know, I try and maintain mobility, like I was talking about with the schedule. Um, you know, there's so many things that kind of drain you. And, and I guess the way I view it is sometimes you got to work out, you know, and, and, and expend. And sometimes you got to work in and try and fill the bucket with more energy. And that's what I, that's what I try and do. So are you like a contortionist stretcher? Uh, I'm trying to keep the fascia happy. So, you, you know, keep every, uh, activate the muscles and then try and help them work as one piece best I can. Maybe we'll have to show it sometime. Well, yeah, yeah, to be yeah. a fancy, this is a podcast. They Let's can't see it. it. No. You know, yeah, we'll yeah. show your, your stretching routine sometime. Uh, speaking of like your routine and strength and conditioning, you came out with uh, a really, really cool, well done piece this summer mm-hmm. showcasing that in your kind of off season journey. Um, we already talked about your social media presence, but at the end of the day, you guys, you and your wife have been content producers, and it seems you're leaning more into that even on a professional grade level. Um, and me, being the manager of content here, I'm kind of fascinated mm. with that. Now, where does that come from? Colin Steingard reached out. So we were talking about the relationships you build off of uh, social media. Basically, I'd been presenting my summer program and trying to you know, help, uh, I guess, my audience, so to speak, overcome the inertia that is what's stopping them from doing whatever is in their best interest next. So I'd, I'd been consistent on, on social and Colin, um, who does this professionally video, audio, uh, photography reached out and said, Hey, I love your message. I think I have a skill set that can help you. He, he was familiar with me from my time with the Leafs. Um, came all the way to Chicago. We had this whole thing planned. I ended up signing that day, just the way luck will have it. Um, and we do this video that, I, I thought it was wildly successful. Uh, the conversation now that we have is still ongoing about what's next. That was parked a little bit with the injury and, and frankly, the slow start. I decided to hunker down and really put all my eggs in the basket that is this season. But uh, we've tossed around, you know, the idea of doing uh, more educational work on the video side, more inspirational, kind of like what was done in the in the summer, all the way to, you know, um, I, would, I would really think uh, I'd, love to do my own podcast someday and and that was something that we had discussed i got the gear at home i just haven't really opened the box uh, you know for no other reason other than i haven't gone from zero to one yet um <laughs> just just because so i have no good reason not to uh but frankly i'm excited to see where it goes uh but certainly decided to focus on the season for now i think it's crazy that 
all the teams in the league, the New Jersey Devils have two very, well, three if you include Blake Coleman. I mm-hmm. think you could put him in this category, but P.K. Subban and Connor Carrick, very content-centric, future-thinking individuals. I think that's really fascinating, Matt. And the organization is the same way, too, yeah. so it's kind of a perfect blend. But, yeah, I mean, you, you, you've seen the future, and, and you're embracing it as opposed to running away from it, so credit to you. Well, sure. that was I, – I was a kid, too. Like, I, I was – I remember, uh, remember when Evgeny Malkin got hurt and their trainer, it was years ago, it was all over NHL.com, their trainer like traveled to Moscow and it was like him and Gonchar in a pool and then, you know, Malkin's in the in the parking lot with hurdles, it's like in the rain, he's juggling this ball through the hurdles and he's got these park benches out in this rink and it 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 was so cool to get insight into his training and he's obviously been a superstar in our game. Um I was a YouTube kid growing up. You know, Kuznetsov had a Players Tribune article where he talks about the influence that had on his career. You watch 20 minutes of video, you go try and take two hours of Ovechkin one-timer. So I think uh, with the accessibility social media has to offer, if done properly, you can really have an, a lasting influence for sure. And then you can also attract, you know, like-minded talent of, of people doing it maybe better than you. And, and I've had some conversations with people who are, you know, social media giants, uh, people in... Um, the personal development industry and things like that. And, you know, we'll see where that goes. The thing I've loved about doing these podcasts is we find the players giving us information beyond what they do on the ice. We get to know them as people. Who knew that we would spend that much time talking about coffee, but it was fantastic. It's really good. It, I What I loved aside from the coffee talk was talking to him about how he battles um you know the stress of a season and being towards the bottom of an NHL lineup and you and I can't really attest to that our jobs are relatively secure yes we have to keep being good at them and yes we have to keep pushing the envelope but he's always in a battle and a struggle and he's in a competition and that drives and fuels him. And I I found it fascinating the way he approached that. And it seems like that mentality has kind of driven other things in his life from a a very loyal and loving relationship with his wife. And also when he talked about his content production himself and his social media and how he puts himself out there to tell a story, that was all great. It was a great run. uh, And we certainly appreciate Connor Carrick joining us on the official Devils podcast. And that'll wrap things up for this show. For Chris Westcott, I'm Matt Lachlan. Thank you so much for your company. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.